How do you run a big podcasting business in South Africa? That's what this episode is all about. How to make a podcast in South Africa starts now. I'm Jonathan Vanka, MD of the South African Podcasters Guild, which brings you this show. And today I'm bringing you part two of my conversation with Gavin Kennedy, owner of Solid Gold Podcasts and Audiobooks in Gauteng. Gavin has been involved in hundreds of podcasts and thousands of episodes. He's got a recording facility with 11 studios, which means Gavin is doing podcast production at scale, which is very rare in South Africa. So if you have big dreams someday of producing lots and lots of podcasts, of owning a studio, of getting people in to record their shows, helping them create, then this is your interview. This is the conversation to listen to. Without further ado, here's Gavin Kennedy on running a podcast business at scale. Thank you very much for joining us, Gavin. I know that you're an extremely busy man. I've seen your spreadsheets your production spreadsheet, <laughs> and it is a highly complex nightmare. I, I would say that Gavin is one of the very few at-scale podcast producers in the country who is, I mean, you've been involved in over, according, I think it was according to your website, I'm not sure, over 350 podcasts in your time. Is that true now? Episodes, thousands of episodes, channels, hundreds, yeah. Mm. So I think within the South African uh, milieu, there are very few people who have been involved in as many episodes and as many various kinds of shows as you. Uh, there are many people who have long-running shows, but they haven't worked on a variety of shows like you have branded stuff. I, I mean, you primi primarily work in branded podcasts, right? We are providing quite a range of services. And like all good stories, uh, we, we've kind of started this one in the middle. If we go back a little bit. Let's mm, reel early. back to 2013 <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah, it's still it's still early in the space. I, I know podcasting mm. turned 20 and it's been a thing and a fast-growing thing for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years now. But it's still very early in the space. And the challenge when something's early is you're not sure what the sticky parts are going to be yet. Mm. Um, I imagine it's like opening a restaurant and you have a, a broad menu initially and then you see what your customers actually order and what you know what what kind of restaurant you become hmm. so we we help hobbyists we help corporates we do a lot of work with corporates that's that's the the current sweet spot for our business but we also work with large enterprises uh, to produce end to end series they'll come along and say we need a six part series on these topics and we now task somebody to go out and research the topics identify what should be spoken about Journalists to write questions and research, find guests, find hosts to or anchors to, to facilitate the show. So it's a, it's a range of those things, and we're not sure which of them is going to be the stickiest over the next five years. And do you often get approached directly via corporates, or do they have a, or agencies, or do they outsource the kind of the contact piece to to someone, or do they just come straight Both. to you? Both. There's no that that hasn't settled down. Our experience has been that most agencies don't get podcasts yet. Hmm. Uh, they don't understand where they fit in. They they don't know what the metrics are. They're just seeing them as long adverts. Not all of them. And we we work with a few agencies. And how big is your team? We're five or six people here all the time, and then another varying number depending on pressure of freelancers or, or retained people who work remotely. Right, and very little of the editing happens in the building. 
Oh, really? Oh, I see. So when it comes to the actual editing stuff, that's people working from home doing that. So in the in the seven years, I guess, or almost eight years now of focusing on audiobooks and podcasts, has the growth been slow and steady or was there a long struggling period and then kind of a hockey stick based on the popularity of podcasts suddenly exploding in 2020 or how has business growth been for you? Over time, it's it's growing steadily. Hmm. On a month-to-month basis, you can go hot and cold. Right. December, January with, with our clients is, is dead quiet. Hobbyists don't have money. So, you know, even if you double or triple your, your hobbyist client base, there's no real money there. Those are people renting studios for a few hundred rand an hour so that they can do their own post-production. Right. Uh, but but for us, it, it's it's part of our offering. We want people to be able to make podcasts. You know, of course. It yeah. Can't, it can't be 1600 rand an hour for somebody who's just kicking the tires and experimenting. So yeah. Uh, yeah. We have very affordable studios for beginners, hobbyists. And, and even that group, you find that there's a progression from making a podcast at home and then assigning one of the rooms to be a study stroke podcast studio. I mean, that's quite a, it's not the cost of equipping it that that's high. It's the, the allocation of space hmm. that's expensive. You know, if you need a two-bedroom house, now you need a three-bedroom house. So it's it's that extra cost is the cost of your studio, not uh, microphone and desk. And even with that investment, if somebody next door is using a leaf blower or there's a hardy door on your roof, the room is not suitable anyway. Yeah. So so we get this progression where people do it at home. They get past the pod fay. They they actually are serious about it. They they've got some product market fit. But then they land a bigger name client, and it's a bit weird to invite that person to come to your house and yeah. you know, walk <laughs> through the kitchen to the bedroom. To, so there's, there's a weirdness about that, a lack of professionalism. So to what do you attribute the, the growth and the viability of Solid Gold? So what elements do you think that you've done right? And I think you would have to kind of separate the – I mean, you've got the advantages of – obviously a business history that landed, landed up with you having like a, a building that you can leverage. Like you've got spaces that are studios and all that kind of thing. But when it yeah. comes to maybe client finding and negotiation and creativity and all that kind of thing, what do you think that you do, you do well that other podcasters would do well to emulate? There is a distinct possibility that podcast production facilities can easily be commoditized and then it's a race to the bottom on price. Hmm. That's definitely a possibility. The price of equipment and so forth is is not that huge. When last did you hire a car? July. <laughs> okay. In how, Greece. <laughs> how many days did you have it for? Two weeks. Two weeks, okay. What's the car cost new? 150, 200 grand? Yeah. And it, it's What's a significant the daily rate for it. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, three hundred rand a day or four hundred rand a day, you know. So that's that's a car. <laughs> yeah, you can get for three hundred rand a day. Hmm. Uh, so you know, if you're buying podcast gear for one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand, what's what's the rental rate for it? You know, we're competing against the car at three hundred rand a day. Hmm. So it's not impossible that podcast studio rates can get down to silly rates of fifty rand an hour. Uh, right. But then you know nobody's making any money on it. Then it's just market share you're buying. Yeah. So so we, we're trying not to be commoditized. Hmm. We're working very hard not to be commoditized. We have clients who aren't in South Africa. So it's not only about the studios. It's about clients saying, you know what? Yes, I've got a phone. Yes, I can hit record. Yes, I can get my own Riverside account. I just don't want to. 
Mm. So, so there's, a dis- there's a difference between the hobbyist who's going, how can I do it myself to cut costs versus a corporate who's saying, non-core needs to be done properly, help us do it properly. And then it's, then it's a CRM offering. It's how well do you understand the client? How well do you understand what they're really doing? Can you advise them correctly? Are you adding value to the purpose, mm. the, re- the real reason they're making the podcast? None of our studios are designed to look high-tech equipment focused it's designed to feel like a place to have a conversation right not hey we've got the latest mic or mixing desk or Neutrik connected nobody we don't think our audience cares about that right we think they care about how do we get people to hear and understand our message yeah cool what equipment what studios and and part of the reason we have so many different studios is so that you can choose a studio that matches what you're trying to do Hmm. There are times when you want it to feel like a radio interview and there's times when you want to feel like a round table and times you want beanbags or a couch. Right. Very meta. The, 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 the environment you're in will facilitate the conversation you're trying to have. Yes. I think that's, that's more important than, oh, I've got the latest SM7B mic. Ooh. Yeah. Well, I feel like there's, there's a, a theme that I've seen emerge from conversations with you, from the presentations you've done, from the kind of stuff you share on LinkedIn, which is that there's a lot of extraneous detail stuff that isn't actually as important. I mean, the putting monetization before the purpose of what you're doing, worrying about what mic you're using instead of what you're saying on that mic. And another kind of advantage I believe you have is understanding business. When a corporate comes to you or when a client comes to you or when a podcaster has a conversation with a potential client and they say, okay, so as I've heard, it's podcasts take a long time to work and I'm not going to be making any money during that time. I'm going to be spending it. So why should I make one? What's what's your kind of angle of attack when you have this conversation with people? One of the things I, I did is I helped people build websites. It was quite a cool thing. I helped people build websites and I started playing with Google AdWords and, and targeted remarketing. It was a lot of fun back then in the early t- 2010s. <laughs> I could not disagree more, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cool that you could that you could do remarketing campaigns and stalk people and, and show them progressive. Right, right. It was a lot of fun. For the advertising creative, that was the apocalypse because it suddenly <laughs> became data-based results as opposed to, here's a TV ad, here's a radio ad, see you later, you know? <laughs> there's, a book, there's a book to read called Chaos Monkeys. Uh, okay. The guy who conceived of uh, Google Ads. It's, it's very interesting read, but as an aside, helping people build websites that were designed around getting people to click on the appropriate things, measure conversions, and allow remarketing. Mm. And what I discovered during that process was people would come and say, right, I need a website. And when you start discussing about what the website's going to do and look like, it became evident that they didn't know what they were really trying to do or sell. Hmm. So a website kind of became a proxy for a business coaching session. We can't even build a website until we understand what does success of the website look like? Right. What does a person can do 50 things on your website, which ones are desirable and which ones are, are a waste of time? Which ones do we count as conversions and how do we value them? So I found that with pretty much everybody who came to see me is they didn't know what business they were in, what they were really selling, what the metrics of success were. So you kind of put pause on the website and say, well, let's understand your business. How do you know it's worth? 
real coaching stuff. Mm -hmm. It stopped being fun for me as well. <laughs> Every time I log into Google AdWords, <laughs> there's new features. I don't, no, I don't want to anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but podcasting has become very much like that. I want to make a podcast. Cool. How are we going to know if it's succeeded? I don't know. Lots of listens. Okay. Is that so? It's kind of become a proxy for the same thing. We're saying podcast, but we really mean I want to grow or improve my business or something I'm doing. Hmm. And I think a podcast is going to help me. Maybe right. it will, maybe it won't. But, but underneath that, you have to understand what it is you're actually trying to do. And one of the first questions it might be, Will a podcast actually help me with that? Yes or no? If not, go and get a billboard, go and get a website, go and get a brochure at the traffic light and hand it out. It's not a given that a podcast is going to solve or be a panacea for, for your business challenges. You know, mm -hmm. in the same way as, oh, we've invented um, books without pictures. So, you know, we never need a book with pictures again. No, 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 no. It's, it's just a variation on a theme. So what do you say to people? What are we trying to do? <laughs> what do you need to change in the world and how will we know it's changed? You know, let's say you decide to drive up to Johannesburg. Okay. How do you know you're on your way to Johannesburg? Man, I've gone through the Huguenot Tunnel. Um, okay, cool. So, And the, <laughs> and the, the, the right. sign there that says Johannesburg and the number's getting smaller every time you see a sign. Right. Cool. Okay, so, so we're making progress. We're heading towards this thing we're going to. Okay, so that's useful. So there's milestones. Hmm. Okay. Because if it's saying that every time you see Joburg, the number's bigger, we've got a problem. So th <laughs> there need to be metrics that tell you you're moving towards this goal. Hmm. How do you know when you're in Joburg? Well, the, the number hits zero, and suddenly okay. there's a giant but city in your where, way. Where does the number hit zero? It's city Hall. Okay, so but when do you personally know, ah, oh, uh, I'm in Joburg? When you can see it on the horizon. Okay, so it's not the same for everybody. Hmm. For some people, it's when you take the off-ramp to where, where you're staying, or hmm. when you park in the driveway of your home, whatever. For different people, arriving in Joburg is different things. So it's really important that, okay, I'm going to Joburg. How will I know I'm in Joburg? What if it's misty and you can't see Joburg? Hmm. Do you not reach Joburg? So that might not be the best metric for am I in Joburg? Sure. So same, same, same with the podcast series. What are we trying to do? How will I know when it's happening? Now, if we're building an audience to sell, then metric is number of people and listening through and are they hearing all the ad breaks? That's easy. Right. But when you're not making that kind of podcast, then it gets a little bit more uh, nuanced, a little bit more complicated from a podcast perspective. But from a business perspective, not at all. Right. Either you're selling more stuff or more people are joining your mailing list. The metrics are actually quite clear. We're just trying to find a way to use a podcast to make those metrics materialize. What's the most, what's the most common use case where you end up with the answer, Podcast is your best solution for this problem. And is there There's a so many best? layers to that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so sometimes, sometimes a podcast is just a five-episode FAQ series. Mm. If I sell swimming pools, I'm going to make five episodes: one on how to choose concrete versus fiberglass, how to choose salt versus chlorine, how mm -hmm. to choose kidney-shaped versus splash, whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to make content every month. I'm not going. So, the purpose of that podcast is to answer the frequent questions I get in a fully comprehensive way without me having to take six phone calls a day saying the same stuff. Right. So, so, that's, so that, that's high value. Where you would build trust with that is, uh, so John, you're thinking of building a pool. One of the questions you're probably asking is, should it be concrete or fiberglass? Well, we're going to have a conversation today with Fred and Mary, and we're going to talk about how to decide. At the end of that 30, 40-minute conversation, no conclusion is reached. Hmm. 
other than these are the factors you should consider when thinking about building a pool. And only you know which of them applies to your 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 particular case. Sure. I'm not selling you something. I'm giving you advice, mm-hmm. qualified advice from experts. At the end of it, you go, oh, definitely want concrete. Right. But I might not do concrete swing pools. I might only do fiberglass. Mm. So you go, Gavin, I want to order a fiberglass pool. And go, ah, I'm glad you've, fiberglass is right for you, but I only do concrete. Here's somebody else's contact details. Mm. But, but at least you've chosen the appropriate solution for you. Right. So, so that's an example of building trust by saying, here's the best answer to this question. Right. If you're a lawyer, then it might be that you're just doing regular podcasts on, here's an interesting thing you may not know about law. But you've got to remember that as a lawyer, you're targeting different tiers of people. It might be Joe Public, who very seldom engages with a lawyer, or it's B2B. I'm a lawyer and I'm trying to find an SME to switch their retainer, or I might be pursuing a, a listed company to switch from one of the big legal firms to another. Mm. In those cases, you can't just regurgitate information that the client already knows. You've got to add some value. You, you've got to be, what's the sausage on the toothpick in the supermarket for, for your product, for your content? Right. Here's my content. It's good. It's useful. You can already derive value from it. But if you want somebody else to actually do the work for you, well, obviously, you can give me a call. Mm. But it's not as crass as... You should do X, Y, and Z, but if you want to call me, no, it's, it's, it's implied in the fact that you're doing the podcast series and it's brought and band, branded by you and it's got your contact details in it. But it's not as crass as call now for 5% off on legal fees. Right. That's an advert. Sure, absolutely. How present, this is a little bit of an aside, but how present do you think that branding should be in branded podcasts in general? How much of a turnoff is hearing, this is the Alan Gray podcast and you're talking to blah, blah. Or, or, or does it? It's a case by case kind of scenario. What's your opinion? This independent tag. This we made it, therefore it's independent. It's kind of useful, as I said in the beginning. But the biggest producer of podcasts in the world, the people with the most podcast channels, is the BBC. Hmm. They have five, six hundred podcast channels. They're by far and away, huge, you know. But it's the BBC. Hmm. So it's not we made this. It's not independent, but it's you know the BBC. So quality content is come across from the brand right also they're an entertainment and educational brand they're not johnson and johnson so at least there's some thematic linkage yeah. there so so if you're going to do a branded podcast there's there's as with all things i'm going to say it's simplistic two, two two things one is we're doing an offering around what we do so we're a lawyer firm and we're going to have conversations around how to hold a hearing, how to not constructively dismiss, how to philo or lifo when you're retrenching. We can can do all of that. Hmm. But there is another way where you're saying, we want to make content that has a brand association. So we're a firm of lawyers, but we're not going to tell you how to do legal stuff. I mean, you know us, trust us, you like us, come and use us. But what we are doing is we're helping John make a podcast series about interesting serial killers in South Africa and the lawyers who put them away. Right. So it's just an association of good content mm. with the legal firm. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to show our expertise in the, pro- in the, in the offering, uh, but we are making the content available because it would it costs money to make content. Malcolm Gladwell with his revisionist history or, or 
Walter Isaacson with his Trailblazers. Hmm. So Trailblazers is, is sponsored by Dell Computers. Right. And that's pretty much what Dell Computers gets in exchange for sponsoring that program. They get the legendary Walter Isaacson making content, and he says, another Dell Computer podcast. There's no advert. There's no buy your computers at Dell. None of that. It's hmm. just we think people who listen to Walter Isaacson are smart and should be buying Dell computers. There's a brand association. Sure. So is that a branded podcast? Well, yes, sort of. Hmm. But it's not Dell computers, how to change, optimize your CPU kind of podcast. Right, exactly. There's value in that as well, but they're, dif they're, they're different uh, in what you're trying to do and who you're trying to make feel good about your brand. Right. I mean, a great, almost perfect example here is Eitan Stern, who's a, a member of the SAPG. He's the MD of Legalese. And he's got a great podcast about entrepreneurs and people building their businesses. And maybe they talk a little bit about some of the legal struggles they have when they do that incorporation and IP and all that kind of thing. But it's not about, you know, how to go about registering the sale of your home or anything like that. So, yeah, that's look, I mean, this is my personal opinion is that if you run an ad in, in, in your branded podcast for the company, it's cool. People know it's an ad and everyone knows what an ad is. So when they hear an ad, they go, okay, cool. That's an ad. I'll either skip it or I'll listen to it. But when it comes to content, the first priority, is it entertaining? Is it educational? Is it interesting? Is it valuable? And then cool. There's the brand, not let me tell you all about Johnson and Johnson. And we're going to tell yeah, some jokes yeah. in between that. There, there, there are a lot of words you use there that we would like to apply to all content, hmm. but it often doesn't. I mean, if I'm, if I have to research a topic for a client's six-part podcast series, it may involve somebody going to a university and finding a thesis that's dead freaking boring hmm. and drilling down and reading it to get that knowledge. I think podcasts can serve the same function. You might not want to, you might not, but the way to get this knowledge is to listen to this podcast series hmm. and it's a grind and it's work, but it's not intended to be, hey, did you listen to this podcast? Let's share it. Let's sell right. ads. It might be another reason. It might be somebody going very deep and narrow on the topic to build their expertise, yeah. to demonstrate that they are the supreme knowledgeable being on, on that topic. Right. And th that has a value in itself, which is very different from a CPM grow the audience uh, value. Sure. To kind of wrap up the, the kind of the business of, of Solid Gold, are you optimistic about business in 2024 and beyond? <laughs> so optimistic. You know, five years from now, the world is going to look very different. It's going to sound very different. I think we're going to have a massive number of people making podcasts five years from now. Hmm. I think we're going to have an absolute shortage of people to edit and produce podcasts. We might not be calling them podcasts, but we're going to have a lot of people making spoken word content. Hmm. Huge number. There is a trend away from, uh, away from screens. It's hard to believe when everyone's saying... People are spending too much time on screens, but there's a mega trend away from engaging with your screen. Get into your car, connect your phone to the car, mm. speak to Google. We're looking at the screen a little bit less and we're going to be hearing conversations. And it's going to be more of an AI conversational con uh, feedback rather than list or reading a website. It's going to be more, hey, Google, what flight's going to get to London? And it's not just going to go on the site, baa.com, mm -hmm. the following. No, it's not going to be that. It's going to be a conversation around, and where's that content going to come from? And where's the research for that content come from? I'm thinking of going trout fishing in Mpumalanga. Well, here's a podcast for you to listen to on fishing in Mpumalanga. Would you like to listen to an episode? 
Yes, there's an episode on rainbow trout. Yeah, play me that one. Not looking at your phone, but engaging with the content. And that content's going to be on the internet, Mm. but not a website. I think we're going to have a situation much like fax fax machines and and websites. Do you remember a time when you only knew one person with a fax machine? (laughs) I don't know how old you are, but I I remember our first fax machine. We couldn't fax anybody. They didn't have them. (laughs) Yeah. It's a fascinating And then suddenly everyone had an an extra phone line just so they could put a fax machine in it. And in the early days, 93, 94, it looked like only large players would have websites. Just, like, this is not for everybody. This right. is only for a few people. I think podcasts are, are, are the same. Right now, people are going, oh, it's fun. It's for the hobbyists. It's for the geeks. Hmm. Uh, but we're seeing corporates doing hundreds of millions of rand in value through their podcasts. It's not, not, not just small numbers to to sniff at. That's serious money, serious uh, value. And that's going to be the standard. You're going to welcome to our website. Uh, Do you want to read this article or listen to it? Do you want to listen to a conversation around this thing? Or do you want to listen to us? More and more audio production. Talking to you is is a rare opportunity that I think everyone should be thankful for because there's not a lot of people who are actually wise in podcasting because most of us started within the last five years kind of thing you know you have a lot of experience that kind of led into it naturally and you've had an incredible amount of of experience making lots and lots and lots of podcasts very quickly over the last few years and that's a resource that i think is 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 has to be tapped <laughs> so thank you for your time i, I really appreciate your well, wisdom. thank you for, for for the time to chat and, and and asking questions that that mean things to you you know not the how do I how do I become famous? How do I, you know? <laughs> It'll be part three. <laughs> That's it for running a podcast business at scale with Gavin Kennedy. Thank you so much to Gavin for taking the time to have that conversation with me. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're finding value in your membership with the SAPG, please consider becoming a paid member for a hundred rand a month. Also, if you have any requests uh, for interviews from me, let me know what topics you'd like me to cover or who you'd like me to interview, and we'll definitely consider it. Just get in touch on the WhatsApp community. Have a great one. Keep podcasting.